Forte, and for four years of my life, I was part of a cult. The organization looked nice and sweet on the outside, but it did a lot of damage to many people on the inside. After sharing my experiences with others, they helped me come to terms with the fact that we were in a cult, and now I speak out about that trauma while giving others a chance to do the same. Welcome to my podcast series, I Was in a Cult. Welcome back to I Was in a Cult. It's your boy Forte, and uh, it's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks since I've aired an episode. Um, we had a few that were lined up, but circumstances um, changed, and they made it a little bit difficult. So I attempted to do an interview last night as much as I could without coughing all over the mic, which was fun because <clears throat> I definitely had some issues with that. But we were able to finally get one of the interviews that I had to reschedule like three or four times done. And uh, you're going to meet Katrina. She's pretty dope. Uh, her and her husband are both uh, musicians. And um, she shares her story about the you know toxic childhood that she endured. And a lot of things that are going on with her and her family. And how she was able to walk away from multiple um religious cults and how she's working on trying to get that trauma and everything um, <clears throat> dealt with, fleshed out, discussed. Um, I do want to give some trigger warnings because it is important for you to have an understanding of what uh, the content is in this episode. Um, abuse and sexual assault are heavy in this episode. So if you are someone that gets triggered by abuse of any kind, sexual assault, anything along those lines, um, I would recommend you not listening to the next two episodes. <clears throat> Your mental health is the most important thing to me. Um, sometimes I can't listen to specific episodes more than once because I listen to all these episodes a lot because there's so much important information that is provided, but sometimes there's just some things I can't go back and revisit because it triggers the shit out of me. So if I'm having to skip episodes, please feel free to do the same. So we are going to get started and uh, have part one of this interview with Katrina right after this. back to I was in the cold it's your boy Forte and uh yeah we are back after a brief hiatus um I you know sometimes I am able to get some interviews scheduled and then sometimes I have to reschedule a few um funny thing is I actually have like three interviews lined up and I've had to reschedule all of them because life happens circumstances happen um it's just things happen right and funny thing is we finally got one of them um for this evening uh it's probably going to be, I don't know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning when, you know, this thing airs. But regardless, for this episode, um, I was able to get this one scheduled. And we are seconds into just, you know, getting things going. And I started to have a, another cough attack. I've been having, like, 
um, this heavy cough attack over the last week or so. So I had to pause and go get something, you know, get something to drink from for my throat from uh, Dunkin' Donuts, only for them to give me coffee instead of hot tea. And most people who know me know that I cannot stand coffee at all. I just can't. So if I can smell it, I know that it's coffee. You can't convince me otherwise. So I had to go back and get another, you know, and get it replaced. I finally got the right drink. Now I'm here. And now we're actually going to get started. We've been trying to get this interview going on for well over a month. Yeah, um, it's been a while. And yeah, and so now we're going to make it happen. So the person that I'm speaking with tonight, um, I know this person. I mean, the reason why I know her is because she actually took fall uh, pictures for me and my family. And uh, so we're connected that way. But as time went on, I started to learn more um, about her and then I re- uh, learned that she had been in a religious um, you know situation that wasn't great and the more that we talked about it it sounded a hell of a lot like a cult and y'all already know me when I hear or see something that sounds like a cult I'm like hey let's talk about this on my podcast so um, she didn't hesitate she's like yeah I'm down we just needed to get past some scheduling um, issues we had some illnesses um, some different things you know busy schedules um, me having a random cough attack, but Hey, we're here now we're here and, uh, we're going to get started. So, um, the person I'm interviewing, she is an entrepreneur. She's a mother. Um, she runs a music school, does music lessons and stuff like that. Her and her husband are both, uh, musicians. And so that's, you know, pretty neat. And y'all know me, I was, you know, a singer for a good bit of my life until, you know, I, you know, the pandemic and stuff. So I've definitely tapered down on that, but, you know, I always love speaking to other musicians and then other people that have kind of been in similar situations as me. So uh, I'm going to stop talking and now we're going to go ahead and welcome to the IWIAC podcast universe, my friend, Katrina. Katrina, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, Hopefully I'll get, get everything said right, because this is like my first time doing this. So that's okay. Lots uh, of grace. One thing, I need grace. <laughs> yeah. Hey, one thing you'll you'll know about me. I'm not about it needing a sound or, you know, come across a certain way. How you say it is how you say it. You are who you are. Your story is your story. So don't worry about anything other than you just share what you feel compelled to share. And we go from there. So, yeah. Okay. So, so why don't we just go ahead and get into it? Go ahead and um, tell us a little bit about your background and give us, you know, your, um, you know, just an explanation about the, you know, the environment you came from. Yeah. Um, so my dad's family is, um, they currently still live in the state, but they're very much in an Amish community. That's uh, how he grew up. His family kind of like left it and joined Brethren in Christ, um, which is in like another denomination in Christianity. Um, and yeah, my dad was, was, coming out of that so he was very strict and kind of like what he wanted he didn't have a girlfriend like he met my mom at a camp I was like you're you're gonna be the one I'm gonna talk to your dad you know I'm just oh, wow. like, okay <laughs> right kind of situation um my mom is actually uh, an immigrant she is from Argentina she came from there when she was about 15 14 years old her father also a pastor my dad's dad also a pastor um, and they were Southern Baptist when they came here to the U.S. So um, definitely like powerhouse like kind of families in the in their own communities. Yeah. Okay. All right. So okay. So you you have a mom that came from Argentina. You have your dad that came from basically an Amish community, and they yeah. kind of you know 
um, got together. Obviously, at some point you came into the picture and, you know, you were kind of raised in this uh, background. Tell us a little bit of, you know, of your childhood and stuff. Um, what I do remember wasn't ever, you know, great. Uh, the, the parts that I do remember. There's a lot I don't remember. Uh, I'm actually hoping to be part of an MDMA trial um, in the next few weeks to kind of like unlock more what's going on. Um, Cause I'm sure that there's, you know, triggers that I don't even recognize are happening, but um, yeah. So I'm the oldest of five homeschooled kids. So I was pretty much mom 2.0 in the family, all homeschooled. So, um, I mean, I had a lot of weight to carry while mom was, you know, just popping kids. Right. Um, and, um, a lot of physical abuse. Eventually there was a point where, um, there was like sexual abuse in the church of my father, um, which was met with, you know, my parents like didn't even believe me and um, recognize that a person could do that to someone. So, and I don't know, that's kind of like the, I would say young, young age to about 14. That was kind of just my life. I always, I always call it the snow globe. I lived in a snow globe. Like I thought this is how I lived, you know, and 14, 15 is when that came out and, you know, you know, you're just sitting there like, oh, wow, this is not life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, you know, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry that you had to endure any of that. Um, having to you know be there for your siblings obviously they needed someone mm -hmm. like you you know that's definitely good but yeah. obviously having that role and responsibility you know at the age that you were was definitely not something that you signed up for and you didn't sign up for any of the abuse of any kind either um it's extremely frustrating because i've had a lot of stories um that are shared in this podcast about people that have been abused and people that either sweep it under a rug or just you know they just they have these people in such high regard that they're like, there's no way this person could ever do that. Yeah. Or, there's no way anybody could ever do that. And um, I had someone, one of my friends that was in uh, my wife and I's wedding, she shared how anytime uh, she was, she grew up Jehovah's Witness. And anytime someone brought something to them, it was brought up, you know, in front of a board and the board were all men. And usually, you know, someone that, you know, had the infraction was in close yeah. with one of those men. Yeah. Um, couldn't have family there, couldn't have anybody. It had to be the person who, you know, is making the claim. So basically the victim and the board. And like, I can't remember all the details, but it never worked out in that person's favor. Basically, it's, they hand, were, it's like the handmaiden's tale. <clears throat> it's the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, you're just in a, you know, you're in a lose-lose situation. Um, and it's extremely frustrating because religion has failed uh, women and children. Um, you know, I mean, dare I say minorities as well, but for yeah, everybody, it's just like, you know, everybody just gets shit on and, and it's just like, and it's, it's expected like, oh, well, this is just how things are, you know, and it's just, it, it's extremely frustrating. Um, and obviously, you know, my, my experience is not the same. And the stuff that I went through was a lot different. They had different ways of manipulating people, but you know, the way that they got away with a lot of the stuff that they did do, because when someone did something wrong, they would make some, they would make that person stand up in front of everybody 
yeah. and confess to sin, ask mm -hmm. for forgiveness. And we all as a group had to forgive them. Um, yeah. But we were never allowed to tell our, tell our parents. We were never allowed to tell friends or family yeah. out, and no one outside of the organization because they said, why do you want to tell what's happening to your family? But yeah. it's our family that we want to talk to. But it was like, no, we're your family now kind of thing. So they isolated us from the outside world and all the shit that was happening was never told to anybody. And we, you know, they just kept getting away with what they were doing because you're not supposed to tell anybody what was going on. And it's just, you know, it's, it's frustrating. So you either, and well, I did have someone that was a part of the organization who they told their parent and they didn't believe them. Yeah. It was just like, Oh, there's no way that happened. Why would, you know, why would they do that? These are such great people. I'm like, ah, why are you not believing the people that are the closest to you when they're sharing stuff with you? Mm -hmm. People don't make that shit up. There's some people that do, but nine times out of 10, they're not making it up. Yeah. Listen to them, believe them, please hear them yeah. because, you know, that's how they've been getting away with this stuff for centuries upon yeah. centuries, you know? So, yeah, I could go on. That could be a conversation for a whole time, but um, definitely. Okay, so you said that was your life from, you know, early on to about 14. What happened around that time period when you got to around, you know, age 14? <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's it's a funny story, honestly. All right. That's the part that, th that makes me think I could be a comedian. Um, so we were, it was actually Father's Day. And our church decided to load everyone in the church van and go to Helen um, for a, like service in the, in, you know, in the wilderness, whatever. Okay. <laughs> and we were coming back and we decided to invite some kids to our pool. I mean, a lot of the kids that we were working with in my parents' church, like, they had a parent that was in ICE. Um, my, my family would be called the minute ICE picked someone up. And so, I mean, it'd be 2, 3 in the morning. My dad's like, Katrina, we got to get up right now. We got to go to the police station. And um, so I was, I was the one kid that always went to all these things with mostly my dad. Um, but, yeah, I... Uh, we were in the car. I'm sorry. I mean, I have ADHD, so you're good. And I'm medicated, so bear with me. Um, so yeah, we were in the church van, and um, a kid was like, "Yo, Trina, turn on the radio." And I was like, "I've never thought to turn on the radio. I didn't even think that I could even do that, you know." And I was yeah. like, "Oh, okay." And I turned it on. And it plays Damn That Sexy Bitch by David Guetta. And I was like, this shit right here. Yeah. What is this? I had never heard anything like that in my life. And I was like, damn. <laughs> you know yeah. I was like, I loved it. So um, I was a 95.5 listener. I don't remember what station used to be on there. Now it's a conservative news. But it oh, used yeah. to be a, like around here, like... Um, like, you know, one of those regular, like, pop, hip-hop stations. Right. So uh, I got to a point where I was allowed to have a phone. And this phone had an FM radio. I was like, hey, it's the cheapest phone. Like, I'm, I'm living it. This is the best yeah. situation ever. And it had one headphone. Like, the phone itself came with one headphone. So I would, like, hide it in my church clothes, sit in the back of the van, and just, like, listen to Pippo. Woo! You know, like <laughs> but me. Um, and you know, just trying not to like it was my escape. It was the only thing I had. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and then aside from that, I was actually realizing this this week. Um, I only had three safe spaces at home. The closet, because it had an inside closet that we know my mom would never go in. Um, the bathroom, that was, I mean, e- even if she was home, it was just, you know, like, like after like a minute, you know? Um, so, and then the roof, I would go out on the roof. <laughs> so that was kind of like the three safe spaces in yeah. my life. Um, and yeah, music, 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 music is what like got me through that tough time. I understand that. Man. <laughs> music was definitely my escape as well. Like, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Something, something about music, you know, I always say that it speaks in a language that words on its own can't ever do. So I, I feel you there. Um, oh, man. Yeah. So that, um, I don't want to say revelation, but just that, you know, uh, renaissance. I don't know. Just something like when it opened you up the minute you heard that, you know, the radio and stuff, you know, um, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, and you you had to get more of it. And so you start sneaking into stuff, you know. I mean, hey, good for you. Like, I mean, you had to do what you had to do. You know, I, um, I, I think I remember um, one time I was, wasn't into church, but I was playing church league basketball. And me and my friends were like, um, we were in the car. Our coach was giving us a ride home. And he let us listen to the music that we like listening oh, to. Oh, nice. <laughs> didn't take it anymore or whatever we were just sitting there just having a good time and then i remember i left my uh my music book that i wrote you know like i wrote my lyrics again i wasn't a christian yet so the lyrics i wrote were not you know they were not for the lord they were for the lady and uh dude was like hey you left this in my car i was like oh, okay thank you he snatched it away and was like i don't ever want to see this again i'm just like this motherfucker read my lyrics i mean yeah, I'm sure he, you know, didn't like the content or whatever, but, like, he literally, like, he invaded my privacy and stuff, and I'm just like, yeah, um, people are really touchy when it comes to, like, you know, the, the musical lyrics and, and, and yeah. content and stuff like that, so, yeah, I can understand why you were trying to hide that, because there's no coming back when <laughs> oh, no. they hear some of the stuff they that they listen to. They found out. Oh, really? Oh, man, I, it was really bad, like, oh. I'm not, I mean, I, I'm pretty, I, I think I, I stole someone's phone once because I got my phone taken away. I'm like, I need to survive. I need to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, I mean, obviously I did not feel good about that. So I eventually bought my own phone mm-hmm. and my own line. Cause you could do that for like $45 back then. Yeah. And then I was like, this is my money. This is my money. You're not going to touch my stuff. And I really had to like, you know, like push that. I mean, I had a job since I was 12. So I was like, okay, you know, I can do this, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So they, they caught you. Oh man. uh... Many, many, many many times, (laughs) many times, but it's okay. Well, I mean, they had cameras and stuff. It's okay because, um, I mean, each time I got smarter. right? Right. But also, I mean, when my dad first found out about the music, um, he sat me down and I think that th- at that time I was like all about Lady Gaga. Like I was like, I was Gaga for Gaga. And yeah. <laughs> it was like, like, man, this is just like a different vibe, you know? And, yeah. uh, my dad, you know, played some videos like this is evil Katrina. Like, look at this, you know, all of like, you know, just trying to make me feel good, <clears throat> things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so it, it was, it was just a phase where I was like, 
I don't know, I, in my mind, realized I'm kind of like an orphan. I've always kind of felt like that. Sure. Um, you know, always wished maybe I had a different parent. Like, I, I had that, like, wish and fantasy, like, you know, someone else, maybe, you know, because um, it, it was just really hard to, I don't want to say be the sane one in the family, but like, you know, just, just like, what is, what is happening here? Yeah. I'm sure that's frustrating because it, it, you know, because it seems like just based on, you know, how that's coming across, you were like the only one that had that mindset at that point. You know, you weren't really. I still. Sort of, yeah. That's the scariest shit. Yeah. I, and so, really frustrating. Yeah, no, I bet. I bet. Like, I've, I'm in a couple of groups. I'll try to add you to one of them if you're not added to or whatever. Um, it's called Your Favorite Heretics. And, um, there's people in there Love all that. the time. Yeah, they. Yeah, like uh, I interviewed one of the guys that um, you know, one half of the of the duo or whatever. And they, he he's so cool, um, Derek. But like he, you know, shared a story. But so many people go in there and they share their stories with family members and things. And obviously, I won't, you know, outright share. But like there are stories. Like I had an incident that happened, and um, my parents are saying all this, and you know, my <laughs> siblings are trying to chime in, and you can see all of the gaslighting and all of the manipulation and the guilt trips and all these other things yeah. that these people would try to do to try to make the individual feel bad. And like, they have no one to turn to except for like the community that we, you know, that has been growing on, you know, in this yeah. group. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because it's hard. It's extremely hard when you're the only person in your family that's bucking against what everybody else knows as good and right and pure. When of course that's all bullshit, but you yeah. know, you're that only person. I can't imagine. See, like I mean, my family, totally different because my mom is Christian. My dad claims to be Christian, you know, but I don't talk to my dad. My mom and I are starting to get on better terms. They're not together, so it is what it is. Yeah. But that's it. None of my siblings, well, one of my brothers is Christian. The rest of them is kind of, uh, you know, I don't know. But, like, everybody's kind of all over the place. So, like, for me, when I have that, it's all the people that um, disassociated themselves with me when I walked away from Christianity three years ago. Yeah. When um, I got furloughed from the last job that I was leading worship at, um, the next thing I know, like, uh, I just, I couldn't take it anymore, especially with everything that happened. That Not, not even the pandemic, but Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, George Floyd and uh, Breonna Taylor. When yeah. that happened, I was done because you had you saw so many Christians. Oh, oh yeah, saying, wait for all the facts and um, all no. lives matter and I don't see color. Like it's just so much of that shit. And yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I'm done. I, I don't want to have any kind of association with any of y'all. Um, never mind Trump and all the other shit. That, you know, it's yeah. just like everything else is just brewing up. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I, I think I can you know do better on my own or whatever. But so many people just kind of walked away every once in a while someone will jump into my inbox saying you know you need to repent or you know i know you're going through a struggle here this one's my favorite one i know you're going through things i tested you know i i, I struggled and went through a trial with god too but i'm just like i didn't ask you for any of that i appreciate you trying to you know proselytize and get me back into the faith um and try to make it seem like you know I'm just this terrible individual. And the only reason why I wanted to, you know, get away from it is so I could cuss and watch porn and do all this other random shit. No, that's not it. It has everything to do with, I just, for me personally, and as an individual, no one else, it no longer lines up. 
And I don't judge anybody who still is in the faith or whatever, as long as you're not a dick to somebody. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're still a believer, cool. You know, what you believe is what you believe. But as long as you're not an asshole to someone, yeah, we, we cool. We can, we have a conversation. Just don't try to convert me or get me back into the faith and yeah. we're good. But yeah, so many people would, you know, be the ones trying to guilt trip me back in. Like, like I didn't have a family that did that shit to me when I was growing up. So it's like, I, I get what you're trying to do, but I'm an expert <laughs> at pushing that away because I've had a lot of practice. Yeah. But, but thank you. You can go on and do that to someone else. So all I can say is that, you know, even though I can't relate completely to that, I can empathize because I've had similar situations to where, you know, I'm the only person here on this island and everybody else is just, you know, living their best life, their best life, um, just trying to get through stuff. But yeah, 20 yeah I'm sure it's huge for us, with right. especially all, all those situations. Um, we we had a COVID wedding. <clears throat> nice. Which we, we were like, oh, God, we don't have to invite all these stupid people. We don't want to <laughs> board above. Right. I mean, I mean, that included like immediate family, <laughs> like yeah. immediate family. You know, um, yeah. so like 30, <clears throat> we out this bitch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we loved it. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Um, it was really, it was like, I mean, it was, it was special to us. Yeah. People are like, okay, they're gone. That's it. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that, that's pretty cool. You know I mean? COVID, you know, it made things more unique. Now the, the people that were breaking rules and all that other stuff. Yeah, whatever. But like when you have these intimate moments and stuff and it's just the people that you really want to be there and you have yeah. the special moments, you don't have to have all that. Look, I mean, I had, you know, we didn't have a COVID wedding because we got married in 2013. So it was nowhere near that. But And we had a lot of people. I don't talk to half of those people now. One of those people really tried to go off on me on some shit. I'm just like, yeah, no, you can you can stay the fuck out of my life forever. You know, Thank kind of thing. You. It's just like, it's just, you know, it's <laughs> some people it's just like, um, I know that you, you think you're doing something, but the value you think you have in my life is not as big yeah. as what yeah. it really is. I think you should kind of simmer down a little bit, but yeah. Bigger... I said that year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pandemic definitely changed a lot of things and, you know, changed perspectives and stuff. And the craziest thing of all was I started noticing that I was not the only one. And a lot of people that um that, that was going through stuff and, you know, questioning things, deconstructing, you know, when because they got really deconstruction was really popular at that point. Yeah. And before I started deconstructing, I was like, this is kind of stupid, whatever, you know, and then I started deconstructing, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you see some people who deconstruct. And their faith gets stronger. And then you see some people who deconstruct and they walk away from the faith. Yeah. And I was the latter of the two. Um, but it was cool to see a lot of people who were deconstructing, period. And even if they did remain Christian, who they were and who they are changed. Like, they weren't the same people. Like I said, they were more kind and caring and compassionate to everyone around them. And, you know, I thought that was a really, you know, it was a cool thing just to see that in itself. And that gave me hope, you know, there was like, look, if I never step foot in another church, um, I'm going to be okay because I'm still a decent human being, yeah. man, you know, and just for me personally, um, if everything is real and I'm taking this risk by walking away, it's one that I'm willing to take yeah. because I have the peace that I did not have when I was in a church, you know, leading and singing yourself on Sundays, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, 2020 was that definitely that year that kind of opened that all up um yeah yeah we we ended up like we lost our whole community because the church that we were at they started giving flyers on who to vote for oh god 
well, I mean, when I first saw these out and I was like, I immediately went to my husband. I'm like, um, this is a big problem. We need to talk to him right now. And we messaged them. And of course they were like, oh no, something else we need to talk about, you know, kind of attitude. And I'm like, this is not something Jesus would condone. You talk, you making fun about people wearing masks on stage is not what Jesus would do. You bashing the, the mega church that closed down is it's worthless. You know? Um, and so they were like, all right, there's the door. See ya. Wow. Told told their their own kids and everyone that we were gone in the middle of the week. And so, I mean, we showed up the, the next Sunday. And we're like, everyone was like, oh, we thought you left. Wow. Yes, we are now. Yeah, Yeah. wow. Uh, So that was really hard because I was like four months pregnant at that point. We already had no family support. So we were like, okay, we're just going to have to go find a community. Right. Because we have no one. Um, So... We ended up at um, another place <laughs> and, uh, I mean, said all the right things, um, seemed genuine, you know, and it turned out it was just surface. Yeah. And we kind of had the same situation two months ago, three months ago. I was like, hey, can you guys come over? We need to talk. And um, they, bra- they basically brushed me off as woke. Um, <laughs> and hey, I'll take it, whatever. <laughs> right. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Have oh a good night. God. Right. You know? Right. Uh, but my, I don't know. My therapist was like, that was too much. You didn't have to do that. And I'm like, look, I committed to them. I joined with like a membership. You know, I like this is my commitment. Like, I'm at least gonna talk it out, even though maybe, maybe it doesn't do anything. Maybe it does. But at least I'm not here. You know, like holding it all in. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the last uh, three months for us. Um, it's, yeah. been, it's been hard. I mean, this, I mean, things started to happen. My card, I, we were down to one car, you know, financial crisis for us. And we're, and I'm like this whole time, I'm like, I don't, and I told the pastor directly, I'm like, I'm scared to not be a member of a church. I've never done that. You know, um, really. Uh, so it's just scary. Yeah. I feel like God's going to punish me. And I know he's, he doesn't, he's not like that, you know? So. Yeah. It's, it's I, been- yeah. I have to think because I, um, I identify it as, as agnostic now. So it's just <laughs> not, a, it, to me, I don't, it's not a matter of whether I believe or don't believe at, at this point, I don't believe that you can prove it. And I'm not going to waste my life trying to prove it. I think, yeah. like I said, if you're if you're a kind person, if you're someone that's an ally, if you're someone that is actually standing there in solidarity, that's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the God that I served, the one that I, you know, gave my life to for the 18 years that I was in Christianity mm-hmm. is someone that's going to penalize you for not being in a community. Exactly. exactly. And, but they try. They hold on to that oh. as much as they can. To say you have to be in a fellowship with believers and i'm just like 
That's the worst group of people to be with. I don't like, I mean, it, no matter how many churches I was a part of, I was in 10 different ministries and there were some really good ones and there were some really shitty ones. And the bigger they are, the shittier they are. But yeah. at the end of the day, there's going to be a flaw somewhere because someone is going to be one of the worst representations of Christianity and they're going to make everybody else feels uh, inferior and they're going to put themselves above everyone the same way the scripture tells them not to do. Mm -hmm. And you have to decide whether or not you want to deal with it or not. And, you know, yeah. we, we, we walked away from so many churches that had that mindset. We were in churches where the ministries were very clicky. We were in churches where they made it very clear that they were all conservative and Republican and they were anti-democrat everything. We had ones who didn't see color, who, believed all lives matter. We, I had uh, someone that I was um, serving under him as a, he was a worship pastor. I was on his team. He tried to, you know, ask me why Candace Owens was bad mouthed so much. You know, I don't understand why black people don't like her. I love her. She speaks truth. This is a white guy. And so I'm just listening. Okay. white guy, tell me why you love Candace Owens and why I should love her she speaks the truth and does all this stuff and da, 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 da. I was like, okay, well, here's why. And as I'm trying to explain it, he cuts in and keeps talking and he felt so good about having this conversation, but he was having a conversation with himself. He never asked me why I felt the way I did about her. Can't stand her for so many reasons. Not, not, you know, not just the fact that she self hates her own kind, but on top of that, she just turned her back on a group of people that she reached out to when someone in government, their son, was being disrespectful to her when she was in high school, she called the NAACP on them um, and, you know, and won the case. And now she's anti-NAACP. I'm like, we were there for you before the money, the cash cow was there for you. I don't understand how all of a sudden your mind shift changed. But it was like the money. You followed the money. That's fine. But you sold your people out in the process. But, like. This was the guy that he was championing and like, man, she just speaks the truth and she keeps it real. I'm like, all right, man, if that's what you need, if that's what you want to hear. So I was in so many different churches that were either judgmental or racist or anti-black. You know I mean? It was just crazy. And like, for me, I'm sitting here thinking, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And then I have people who keep trying to address me and say, well, yeah, you were in a couple of bad churches, but that don't mean the church in itself is bad. You need to find a church that works. What the fuck do you think I was doing those years when I was going from church to church? When I was just bored and just trying to figure out something to do? Huh, I'm, I might as well go and get, you know, some more trauma from another church, right? Makes no sense. Makes absolutely no sense as to why, you know, people would just assume that, oh, I was just trying to look for terrible situations. No, I understand that if I take a saw to my hand and I just keep going for long <laughs> enough, that my hand's going to go off. I don't actually have to saw my hand off to know that's a bad fucking idea. So I don't have to keep going to churches to find one that's perfect because chances yeah. are it's not going to exist. There's no such thing as a perfect church, but I don't want to invest my time yeah. into something. If it's not going to benefit me, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. And it's just, you know, people, they, they really hold their, you know, their church, their buildings in high regard, but it's just like, uh, they, they have a lot of growing to do. And unfortunately, most of those people who need to do the growing are church leadership. Oh man, that's yeah. good. Yeah, and you were uh, you were getting like so. I'm like doodling over here. Sorry, uh, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, one no of my notes. Like I, I'm trying not to interrupt as much. Oh, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Someone that you need to interview. His name is the Naked Pastor. I don't know if you've heard of this man. 
I have. But yes. he, he does interviews. Like 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 he probably will talk to you. And oh, that'd be cool. Someone I've been really admiring and following through this deconstruction journey. Yeah. Um, it's phenomenal. Um, but I, I mean, okay. So I'm trying to figure out where to start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the last three months, right? This situation has been like really difficult. Um, part of the conversation that I had was, look, because you guys pretty much, you guys have a one black guy on stage, you know, for your diversity tap, like tactic or whatever. And it's, I'm not buying it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, they're like, well, if you go to a black church and there's no white people, then, you know, there's a problem there too. Right. And I was like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Um, I mean, in that, that night, like the one of, I mean, the person, the people that came over were a pastor and her and wife. And she went on to this whole conversation about like, well, Koreans have their own church and, and they don't try to minister to me. You know, like it was like a weird situation. Um, eventually when they left, my husband was like mouth open. I'm like, what, what, what what's wrong? And she's like, you know, he's, they were basically talking about Jim Crow laws. And I was like, who's Jim Crow? I had no idea. I had no idea. I'm like, oh, okay learning about this shit because i was so sheltered i mean i don't yeah, okay. see some millennial movie that everyone knows i'm like what i've never seen this shit and i'm like what have you never seen this bro like this is my whole life but i'm still learning about a lot of things and my husband explained all this to me and he's like i only learned this because i took ap classes no one else really knows this unless they take ap classes and i'm like wait what? So I'm like, no wonder everyone's pushing the critical race theory because you only can learn about like what what actually happened in the United States if you take AP classes. Like that's ridiculous, right? Yeah. Full other conversation, but um. No, yeah, I hear you. It's 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 ridiculous. Um, thankfully, where we landed right now, it's like we're shockingly diverse, like very shockingly. I'm like, yeah. In Forsyth County. Right. What is going on? Right. <laughs> like, this is weird. Um, so, well, again, I'm not, I'm, I told them very directly. I'm like, look, if this goes south, I'm done. Like, like this is, this is it for me. So yeah. I'm very cautious about everything. <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. like, and there was, they were so understanding. They're like, we know we've been through this. I was like, okay. It's out in the open. I mean, you know, I'm watching you. Yeah. That's you know um but yeah it's it's been really disheartening really frustrating i also there's another person i want to probably to connect with um she was telling me she was also like the front black person you know for their church in dawsonville for crying out loud yeah. and um and she she told me something like a few months ago where a uh not a usher a deacon in their church invited them to a birthday party at their home and she was outside with, with this person, and he puts his arm around her, and he's like, you see that over there? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, that's... <clears throat> and she was like, well, <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> Have a good night. But, I again, I was just like, when she was telling me this, you know, like, I know it's bad. I know it's bad, but, like, the people around me, when they heard that conversation, they were like, wow, she sounds so angry wow, so angry. And I mean, my husband was like, I'm a white man. I will never understand 
how she feels, what that fear is. And, and generationally, I, I, and, and I'm not going to pretend. He's like, I'm not even going to pretend like I, I can't understand that. And I was like, oh, that's my husband right there. Yeah. Like, yes, that's the, that's the thing to say because it's true. Yeah. And, and I mean, even me as like, I'm Latina, but I don't look Latina. You know, that's like a whole, that's a whole other aspect of privilege for me. Right. You know, um, people are like, oh, wow, you're like, what? <laughs> you know, they're always like, how do you know Spanish? Wow, you learned high school Spanish really well. And I'm like, oh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the Spanish community. Um, but I don't know, it's something I've actually talked a lot with my therapist where like, I've hated myself for looking this white, you know? Um people are like wow you're so white i'm like yeah i know i hate it <laughs> you know, it's just, it's yeah. just, this is my feeling and that's something i gotta work through but yeah it's 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 ridiculous um i'm very very much libertarian very sure. very libertarian so i'm like can't we just get along <laughs> you know I'm, I'm ready to run for office to be honest with this ah. what's going on nice. i'm like do i need to do something again <laughs> i will do something again um but yeah, it's 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 disheartening, and it just pisses me off because a lot of the people that you know know that I'm a loudmouth person, which I don't care about, know that I'm. A, they'll, they'll try to silence me because of one, I'm a woman. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I have a vagina. Like, calm your tits, <laughs> you know. Like, can you can you get past that? And can we have an actual conversation? You know, um, it's just. It's just ridiculous. Yes. Um, yeah, I was letting you roll because that cough attack is coming back. No. Um, yeah, so by all means, continue to share your insight because I need, you know, it's about to come back again. Oh, no. <laughs> no worries. Um, but, yeah, there there has been a huge, like, shift in my mindset. Um, have I mean, yeah, 2020 was huge awakening for us, but um, – I would say after having our daughter, postpartum was really difficult. We had no, like virtually no support um, for like, I would say up to, up to almost one and a half. And it, it was difficult. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that I got suicidal, but there was so much rage that was just coming out. And I remember it was um, one moment where, I mean, the church asked us to go to, like, in the woods and do worship for middle schoolers. And I'm like, yeah, I would love to do this. This is what I love doing. Yeah. And, you know, I had just had a kid. And I wanted to be part of, of this community, right? Because they've out, they were so clicky. And I'm like, this is, my, this is our chance to actually connect with them. And this would be great. We have to make this happen, you know, and, and it was way too much for us to handle. Uh, I, I made the decision that trip that like, okay, I, I know I can't afford a therapist, but I'm actually going to, I mean, it's a really difficult conversation I had because um, my husband grew up very conservative, but I was like, Aaron, I think I need to, I need to smoke some weed because there is something going on like chemically that I cannot fix. I can't. Um, and so, I mean, he was really worried, you know, cause he had weed is bad and, you know, war on drugs, blah, blah, you know, he had never experienced it himself. Um, 
And I, uh, I had to start like kind of like a ritual almost where I'd wake my, I'd wake up, you know, smoke a little bit and just kind of like, today's going to be a good day. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be a good day. You know, that kind of mindset because it was really, really difficult. Um, and eventually started therapy in January. Um, no, I'm sorry, April, April of the following year. And, um, I mean, we're, we're poor enough that our insurance is free. So I'm like, well, it's pretty much free. Um, $3 a session like that. And I, I'm like, this is like a gift and I'm not going to waste time with this gift. So, um, it has been a huge, huge part of my life. Well, that's good. Um, I mean, therapy is important. And I think, you know, a lot of most ministries kind of, you know, do you know they they brush it off they don't want you know anyone to deal with that or they wanted you to deal with the counselor in-house and uh bless those christian therapists you know because some of them are really bad yeah you know um when you can't talk to a therapist about you know a marriage counselor about sex that's not a good thing, you know. So it's so like, oh yeah, hey, yeah, this is kind of uncomfortable. Can we not talk about this one? That's kind of your job. And no, some of them, you know, they just, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I'm having issues with, you know, my parenting. I want to work on, you know, doing things better because the things that happened to me in my life and the way that I was raised, yeah, and how my parents treated me. I want to be a better parent. How can I be a pet, better parent? Have you tried praying about it? <laughs> You gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you gotta come with strong, something stronger than have you prayed about it. But no, apparently, um, to them, that was the, the first start. I'm just like, Ugh, you know, like, I mean, if I if all I needed to do was pray, I wouldn't be here talking to you. Yeah, like, I could be doing your job if that's really all you were gonna, you know, tell yeah. me to do. But, um, finding a good therapist and one that will listen here, you know help you out, you know, process things, whatever, that's definitely good. You know, there's someone that I talk to on a consistent basis. Well, not consistent basis, but someone that I have talked to um, and they're a good listener and they, they help me figure some things out. They'll give me some, you know, some tasks to work on myself. And uh, it's been, it's been really good. And from when I started talking to this person in 2021 to um, the last time I talked to him, which was about a month or so ago, mm-hmm. it's been night and day with how I am, who I am as a person, because sometimes they'll just listen and I'll start saying things and things will start to unlock. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. oh shit, like where did that come from? And all he's doing is listening. And <clears throat> it's an awesome thing when that happens because it makes you realize, hey, all I needed to do was actually just say it out loud so I could, you know, so the rest of the start coming back. Hear exactly. You Hearing hear it. it. Write it down. I have yeah. to write, see it. I have to like, yeah, it. it's, it's scary. Yes. To fight it. It really is. Absolutely. It's not, um, it's not an easy thing by any means. Um, but it is rewarding if you, if you stick it out, especially if you find someone that's really good, um, that'll definitely, you know, work with you and process you again. Find yeah. one that's going to be able to talk about the hard things, and otherwise, it's not worth it. No, totally agree. My um, my first trigger, I want to say, that came up when the week I started therapy. Like mm-hmm. this is something that I had totally forgotten about, and it was it broke me. I was like crying for like two days about this. There was 
a person who was in our church, who I was very close to. The reason we found out about her is because her daughter got taken away from her by Child Protective Services. She was undocumented and pregnant, like ready to pop. So my family kind of took her in and, um, you know, we supported her with her child, helped her get a place. We helped her get her other child back. Like it was awesome. Um, my dad visited her, her partner like every other week in an ICE detention far away. But my dad was insistent that she go back with him to Mexico. And we were all like, why? Why would she do that? Like, why would we make her do that? He's abusive. Like, why would, why would we do this? And my dad was like, because they had children. Because they had children, Katrina. They can't be, um, what's the word? Illegitimate children? What is it called? Um, not bastards, but wedlock. They can't be born out of Out of wedlock, yeah. The word, oh. You know, that was like sin, was evil. The worst thing that could ever happen. So they made this poor woman go back to Mexico with two kids under the age of three. And I remembered, I remembered everything that week, uh, like dropping her off at the airport, all of us like crying, you know. And so I messaged her. I'm like, are you okay? Because she's in like a dangerous part of Mexico. I'm like, I, I've never forgot about you. You know, I just like, I just like messaged her. But it was like so heavy on me, like how my family destroyed her life. You know, for the, for, you know, the kids wouldn't be bastard children. Sure. He ended up cheating her like five times, has five different women and like across the country, you know, and she, again, she lives in a very dangerous place. You know, it's, I just, it was just something that was super heavy in my life. It made me kind of question, like, I need to talk to people again, like who went through our church, who saw me growing up and man, the stories that I have come to find have literally blown my mind. Yeah, I bet. <clears throat> yeah. And churches are really good at hiding or covering up a lot of things that happen. So when you start hearing these stories and shit that's revealed and it's just like, whoa, really? Yeah. It's, I always um, refer to this episode of How I Met Your Mother called uh, Spoilers. And how every time one of the cast members reveals something that another person does that's annoying, the yeah. glass shatters. And so there's like, that does Lily. happen. Wow, is it really exactly? Wow, you're a terrible person, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And glass has been shattering for me for like the last three yeah. plus years. Um, it's just been it's been a crazy experience because, like, when I hear another story from someone from the organization I was a part of, um, I start thinking about it, I was like, oh damn, that did happen. Like, I mean, it's just like, whoa, wow, that was really fucked up. Like, I mean, it's just like you hear something new, it's just like, good grief, like, yeah. it, it's just. It's comical now, even though it's so, it, it's really bad. If you hear it's some of the stories. It's better than yeah. I man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, yeah, that, that's what it was. And last year, like, was probably the roughest year for me going through a lot of it. Because like you said, like, um, when I walked away from church in 2020, that was a scary time for me. Because mm -hmm. it's all I knew from the time I was 17 until I was roughly 25, 26 years oh, So this years is old. new. 30. I didn't yeah. realize it was so real for you. <clears throat> Yeah, like it was it was literally 2020s when I kind of walked away um, from everything. So for me, it was really hard to figure out what I was going to do. And there was days where I was just sit there sad and depressed, like, yeah. I can't turn to God. This is not, you know, 
I don't have that feeling. It's not where I am. It's not what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually it shifted from, it's not what I want. Like I reject this kind of like, I'm okay. I, yeah. I don't have to hold on me personally. And I always have to preface that because anyone who still believes again, I'm out, I'm not holding that against them. But yeah. me personally, it was like, I don't need this in my life to be able to function like a normal adult. So personally, I'm good. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily worried um, about these things, but the more and more I started thinking about stuff that I was going through a good bit of some of the, you know, of the trauma I suffered was the four years I was part of this ministry and it just got so bad when uh, we found out that the ministry, cause they shut down in like 2009, 2000, no, 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 2011, okay. 2012, but <clears throat> they kind of resurfaced over the last few years as a camp out in San Diego Valley, out in California. When I was part of the organization, they were in Tennessee. Now oh. they moved back to where they started the organization in San Diego, but they resurfaced uh, working under another, you know, under a Christian camp. And they're doing all the same things like mentoring and all this stuff. You get, you know, real life witnessing experiences and all this stuff. You get a free cruise. You get to take a scholarship to this Christian college and all these things. And you get to learn how to be a servant for Christ. And they make it sound so sweet. What they don't tell you is when you fuck up, you have to ask for forgiveness. You can't say sorry because people will ignore you. If you don't say I was wrong, will you please forgive me? Just like that, they're just going to keep hounding you. And even when you do ask for forgiveness, you'll be penalized and they'll remind you every fucking day that you messed up. They'll hold that shit against you. It's never a good thing. Um, You have all these sessions and things and you learn about the right way to hug someone. And, oh, it's okay to tell all these people that you love them. You have to hug from the side. You can't hug from the front. Um, You can't say things like, oh, I love you. In the Lord. In the Lord. Like you have to just, you know. Like, you don't have to preface it. It's like, it's a lot of stupid things. Oh, here's another one. You can't say that you, you have to go pee or potty or go to, you know, like, go to the bathroom. Like, you have to say something like, oh, I got to go wash my hands because you don't want someone to have to think about the shit that you do in a bathroom. It's Dude, so fucking I think weird. Similar. <clears throat> I think it was something similar for that point, but yeah. I, yeah, that's stuff I don't remember. I just don't remember. Yeah. Oh, but- and I didn't even, I didn't even get on to how dating worked. You have to ask their permission. You can only be around each other for two hours for a day. You could hold hands from some time uh, every once in a while, maybe a hug, and on occasions a goodnight kiss. But that's it. But you have to ask their permission. You could be in a committed relationship and be in one that you've been in one for years, and you end up in this ministry. You still have to ask their permission. You can't be around each other during the training camp. You cannot be a couple until training camp ends. And if you're a team leader, you have to wait until the first half of the year is done because wow. you have to commit to your team. It was very insane. Oh, yeah. It was it was really bad. But they loved um, – and this might segue into something I wanted to ask you about. So you'll, you'll catch on to what I'm going to say in All a minute. Right. They loved <clears throat> advertising. You might find the one that you're going to marry here in this ministry. And it just felt like they were pushing people oh, yeah. to be with each other. And it was really bad how some of these people were probably being pushed to be in a relationship mm. they had no fucking business being in. And they ended up marrying that person. And some of them ended up divorcing that person not too long after because they realized, huh, this was a mistake. So obviously, what I'm going to ask you or what I'm going to talk about or segue to is more about, and again, if this is one to where it's like, eh, I don't want to reach there, I can always edit this out. It's not a problem. 
But you did mention that no, there was sorry. a point. Yeah, there was a point in um, your time in, you know, in a church where you felt like um, they were going to try to marry you off. So if you could um, share a little bit about that. Man. Yeah. There's so many things I can pull from. Where do we start? Let's start with me first, I guess. Um, yeah, so when when we've all turned 12 family, now this isn't not this is not a fundamental Baptist thing. This is my dad is insane thing, okay? Um my dad has insisted that we have purity coming of age ceremonies when we turn 12. Because Jesus did. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. And, I mean, it was very intense. Mine, thankfully, because I was the first, it was, like, kind of half-assed thrown together. My other sisters, holy crap, man. Like, they get, like, a whole chain and lock. People are chanting to them. Like, it's, like, it has been intense um, and a big, at a big you know purity culture thing but um my dad never sat us down and told us the rules there were books where a lot of things were implied of how it would go um and they were all you're gonna be a wife you're gonna be a mother this is what you need to do i never even thought college was an option for me it was always have kids you know run a house that was it um and so my dad, I mean, again, he never told us the rules. This is what you do when someone comes. Like, he has never said any of those things. But um, he bought a special table and put it in a room. He's like, this is the suitor's room. Here's where you're going to sit. Here's where he's going to sit. His family's on this side of the table. Our family's on that side of the table. And I was like, you know, as a kid, I, I just, okay, okay, okay. You know, because I had to do what was I was told. Children obey your parents in the Lord. Um, and <laughs> I, I've always been boy crazy. Uh, and I think part of that attributes to I never felt love. And, you know, you read these little, I mean, Ruth and Boaz. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> see each other from across the field. <laughs> um, so I uh, eventually started. This is actually funny. I met this person at a Mitt Romney job. Like we were paid by an organization to go to Florida and canvas in a whole area. They paid for our food, for our hotel transportation, like that'd be bus or airplane. Um, and we show up, we all like dominate this freaking hotel and we go door to door. Hey, who did you vote for today? And I met this guy there Um and he, he, in appearance, was black, but um, he was Puerto Rican, Jamaican. So, you know, not, not actually, not having actual African roots. So um, my mom's side of the family is Argentinian. And I don't know if you know anything about Argentinian culture, but basically that's where Hitler went to get away. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, and like extremely, extremely racist people. Um, so, you know, I started talking to this guy and I was like, I like this guy. He's, he plays basketball. He's nice. I like, him. you know, it was like my first like experience liking, liking someone. Um, when my dad found out, holy shit, 
holy shit sat us down we need to talk about term like to the dad and the dad's like dad's to me he's like i don't even know what you're talking about man you know like you want to do what they're they're like kids you know um i it was just weird uh eventually my mom you know my grandparents are like katrina he's black he's black katrina he's black you need to find someone else you need to find someone else and i just I was just like, why? Why? You know? Uh, eventually, we weren't, we weren't, like, even allowed to talk to each other. Um, and, I mean, that's something that was never, like, really resolved. But, I mean, we're Facebook friends. We're Instagram friends now. He's engaged. I'm happy for him. But it's definitely something that I would definitely want to probably talk and say, hey, man, like, that situation was fucked up. And I'm really sorry on, on my side, especially of the family. It's just you know, it's ridiculous. But um, yeah, eventually, I I liked someone else. And that's when my dad was kind of like, okay, I need to jump in this situation. And I mean, invited the family over. Um, I remember the boy telling me, my my dad said, you're my future wife. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> I'm like 10, 12, oh, not even 10. I want to say younger than 10, 10, 11. And I was just like, I remember being shocked. Like, what? My dad said that? Your dad said that? Like, it was just so weird. Um, so, yeah, I remember, I remember, I don't know, I was driving somewhere. I just had this memory and just like that feeling of being scared that I was going to get married off. There were a lot of older men in our church, single older men. And they were groomers. They were, you know, people who took advantage of children. And um, that's how that whole situation came to be for me with a person who was, who was deaf. Like they didn't even know sign language deaf. Like, um, and you know, my dad was like, okay, you need to teach him sign language. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Here's some books. Here's some videos. Start learning. I'm like, what? 12. I get dropped off at his house. Like what, what do you expect was going to happen from that? You know? Um, and, and just like, I mean, this was something that came up in therapy like a month or two ago where I was like, felt just so betrayed, you know, telling my parents, this is happening, this is going on. And they're like, no, that's not happening. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. To get updates on new episodes, please subscribe. Do us a favor, share the podcast on social media with your friends, family, and enemies. Leave a rating or review for others to be able to discover the content, whatever you want. We just appreciate your time and energy. Thank you again, and have a good one.